Amen. Wow, I love that thought. What a difference one day makes. Folks, there's hope in the resurrection. And I encourage you today, if you've not, if you've not committed yourself and, 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 and trusted in that, I pray today will be the day. I would like to have you a little bit of your help out there. Today, between the services, I, I'd laid my Bible down, and, um, and um, it's red. It's my preaching Bible, and, and if, if you need a Bible, it's yours, okay? But if, if you just kind of picked it up by mistake, I'd sure like to have it back. And, um, but um, I, I, I always keep another one in spare, so we'll be able to go from that. Folks, it's, good to be, it's just good to be here today, isn't it? And I just pray that God would just, just move in your life. Well, recognizing, wow, there's a, there's a large group of people. We have a large group over in our children's church, a lot of in our, our, our preschool. And you know what's one thing about it? Every one of us, every one of us live in a broken world. And, and I realize that because we all live in a broken world, that, that within our lives we deal with stuff. You ever deal with any stuff? Well, I tell you, the disciples dealt with some stuff on, on, on the day that Christ was crucified. Christ himself had to deal with the, just, the, just the reality of, of a broken world as he gave his own life for you and me. But, but folks, people hadn't changed. That's one thing that you can learn. You study history, it doesn't need to be in a biblical sense. Folks, people doesn't change. No, cultures may change and times may change and styles may change, but people do not change. The same burdens that, that, that were, were carried on that day where, where Christ was crucified is the same burdens many of you walk in here with today. And see, I recognize that every one of you, no matter who you are, each of you are walking through some trials within your life. Well, something that is spoken very much in one of our ministries called Celebrate Recovery, because of the fall, every one of us have hurts, hang-ups, and habits. You know, I don't, ha- I don't need to point somewhere else and say, look at that person with all their troubles. All I have to do is look in the mirror. Right. And so, so today, the reason I'm saying that is, folks, Christ knew that. And Christ came for you. He came to deliver you from that. And I pray today that you can find that hope, that that, that song just saying, folks, what a difference one day makes. Wouldn't it be a good thing today, before we get into the Scripture, that, to, that boy, one of the great joys I have is, is, is just being a child of God and be a, being a pastor, but it doesn't matter. Um, for, for whoever you are, if you're, if you're serving Christ, to know that today that people walked in here, and, boy, you were carrying a heavy load, and in one day God changed your life. Folks, he can do that. He can do that. You know, he says, I'll carry your load for me if you just let me. I pray today that you would just let him carry your load. Folks, he carried your cross. Why don't you let him carry your burden today? If you, if you have your Bibles, if you turn them to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, um, and um, we're going to be just studying today, and, and this is where the Apostle Paul was speaking to, to the church of Corinth. And he was talking about the resurrection. And the reason he was talking about the resurrection, there was a lot of people even in, in Paul's days that really had trouble believing, did Christ really rise from the dead? That, that's crazy stuff. You're, you're asking me to believe something that's just unbelievable. But this is what Paul is speaking to them about. And, and, and folks, there's some of you today that ask that very same question. You know, yeah, we, we come, we sing the songs, we, we've heard the stories, but did Jesus Christ really come up out of that grave? And you know, that is a very, very honest question. 
There's, God's not afraid of your questions. And, and so it's not, it's not wrong for you to stop and ask and um, ask hard questions. Did, did Christ really arise from the grave? How, how can I know that? Well, Paul is, 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 the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and he's teaching them of the resurrection, but I think he's addressing that. And let's all stand together. I want us to read together um, the first, the, the, the chapter 15, the first verses through verse 10, and then we'll get right into our message this morning, praying that God today will make a difference within your life. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and, and he, boy, he gives the gospel in a capsule in these first few verses. When he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein you stand. He says, This is what you stand on, folks. You stand on the good news of Jesus Christ, by which also you are saved. You can't get saved any other way than through the, the, the belief in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you think your salvation is hitched to any other wagon, it's going to take you down a road you don't want to go. This is how you're saved. And then he continues on. He says, by which you are saved if you keep in memory what I've preached to you unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins. Day one, according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he arose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that he had been seen of Cephas or Peter and, and the twelve. And after that he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in this presence. He says, you know, if you don't believe me, he says there's still a lot of living, when he was writing this, there's a lot of them that are still living that were eyewitnesses, go ask them. You don't have to believe me, just go ask eyewitnesses. So a lot of them are still alive. And then as he, as he continued on, he says, and after that he was seen of James, then all of the apostles. And at last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I'm least of the apostles. That I'm not meet, or I'm not just, or I'm just not really the best to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Listen to that. That Paul himself says, you know, I don't even deserve being an apostle. I persecuted the church. But then he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know what that tells me? It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. By the grace of God, he can change your life. You know what? I, I don't have to glory in my past, but I don't have to be burdened by my past either. Because that's why Christ went to the cross. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Wow, Father, we love you and we praise you for this day. And I pray that right now, Lord, I pray that your grace would just settle upon this place. God, this morning, like when we were outside, and that, that mist was just, as we were sitting there and, and celebrating early this morning, that, that mist, that the cloud was heavy, just resting in us, was just like the cloud came down and the mist was upon us. I pray the cloud would come down right here tonight today, Lord. I pray that your grace, just like that mist this morning, would just fall upon us. And God, you'd dampen and you'd moisten each of our hearts, O oh Lord. And God, that we would be drawn close to you. 
God, today, let us taste that sweetness of your grace. And God, do the work that you need to do. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. I want to talk to you today about a subject that, that is simply called radically changed by the resurrection. And as I get into that, I, I, as I was already beginning to speak about, that during the days of Paul, that, that people were really questioning. There were some people that, that said, I, you know, I just really have a hard time believing that, that Christ really raised from the dead. You know, there's a lot of people that, 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 that really think well of the moral teachings of Christ, and they think that Christ was nothing but a man that had great moral teachings, and so they, therefore they would follow him. But the Bible does not teach that Christ was just the man. He was the man. I mean, he was the Son of God. And, um, and, and the, because of that, the grave could not hold him, and he arose up from the grave. But there were still, being, there were still honest questions. I mean, just think about it. That, that, just think about, I was thinking about this morning as I was uh, meditating on the passage we looked at in the sunrise service. Can you imagine going to the grave of your loved one and, and walking up to that grave, and that baby was opened up? I mean, that, that, that would be a hard thing to deal with. You know, to go where you, you went on the funeral service and they, they, they had placed that grave in the ground and you walked out there a few days later to kind of fix up the flowers and the thing was opened up? I'm telling you, there would be, there would be some funky feelings going along with that. I mean, that would be a little bit spooky. The Bible says the women went out even while it was still dark. I don't like to be in the graveyards in the first place in the dark time. But then to go to one where, where, the, where the grave has been opened up. But there were still people that were having a hard time. And, and you know what I found out? That when, when someone that's a skeptic, that someone that really doesn't want to believe, it's hard to argue with them. You can't argue Scripture with somebody. Because all they will do, they have all their pat answers. And, you know, I could begin to talk to someone, how do I know the resurrection really happened? And boy, I could be going through all my answers. I could say, well, the, 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 the tomb was empty. How do I know the tomb was empty? And, 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 and then they could say, well, people had stolen the body from the tomb. That's, that was what was spoken of, that, that maybe the disciples come and stolen the body, or maybe the Roman soldiers got the body, or, or maybe there's a, there was an idea that, well, Jesus really didn't die. He just fell asleep, and, and he moved the, the stone away. That's crazy. But, you know, people have their arguments. You can believe what you want to believe. Or you, or, or you might could even spoke about, speak about the moved stone because, folks, you have to understand that this, is, this was in Palestine. The, the grave was in the side of a mountain, and what they would do is move the stone over, and, and um, that stone was about two tons. Now, Sam, I don't think you and me could push that stone out of the way. I don't believe in you and me in your better day that we could push that stone away by ourselves. Do you think a couple of women could have pushed that stone away? Um, no, they couldn't. That, that's preposterous. As a matter of fact, the way the text reads it, not the stone was simply rolled away, but it was kind of set up on the side of the hill. Boy, I know in, in years past we did a mission trip, and there was a big stone right where they were wanting to, to build the church. And, and some of the, our guys were here, and we, we said in the move that stone, is, it, it, it seemed like there's about 150 little Hondurans that was helping us. That thing like they killed us. And, and to think that the idea that, that just a, a couple of people could come and move that stone away and set up on the side of the hill is crazy. But still people will believe what they want to believe. And then I could tell them, you know, what the, the Bible teaches us or, or history tells us that there was over 500 witnesses at one time. And that's what Paul was saying. If you don't believe me, go and ask some of these people that are still alive. Well, you know, people will tell you anything. 
But I tell you, when, you, when, you, when someone wants to argue with, they'll argue with you about anything. But one thing they can't argue with you is about a life that's been radically changed. You know, they can, they can, talk, about, they, you know, they can talk about all the X's and the O's and, and all of what could have happened, what not have happened. But I'm telling you, folks, the greatest evidence of the resurrections is lives is that's been radically changed. And that's what the, exactly the Apostle Paul was speaking about this morning. And I want us to look at that, and I want us to look at that, what Paul was saying, but then I want us to apply that to our lives today. Because, folks, that's what Christ is in the business of. Christ is in the business of changing situations, of changing lives. He did that 2,000 years ago, and he can still do that today. And I want you to take this and make it personal to you today. Identify yourself with these. Because, first of all, what the apostle Paul was saying, as, as we see that, that Christ radically changed, first of all, the lives of the disciples. Or the resurrection radically changed the lives of the disciples. Look what he said in verses 5 and 6. He said, this, he said in verses 5 and 6, it says, And he was seen of Cephas, or, or Peter, and then of the twelve. And I'm sure he's speaking of the apostles, the twelve. But then he says, And after that he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain at his present, and some are fallen asleep. Well, I just want us to speak about the disciples this morning. Who were these people? Who were these men? Who were these women? What, what was going on in their lives at this particular time? First of all, I want to tell you, at this particular time, because of day one, these are people that were very sorrowful, they were very confused, they were very fearful, and there was even a few doubters of the bunch. Because these are men, these are women that absolutely had given their entire lives on the hope that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Peter, that, that speaking of, and, or Cephas and his brother Andrew, and John and James were all fishermen that, that, that had, had left their family business, they had left their trade to follow Jesus Christ for three years. They had left fame, they had left fortune, they had, again, they had hooked their wagon to Jesus Christ. Then there, was, then there was a guy by the name of Matthew, or Levi as some would call him. He was a tax collector, and tax collectors were hated during that time. They, 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 were, they, they seemed to be vassals of the, of the Roman government, and so they, they, they seemed like Jews who were cheated, cheated Jews because they, they collected the Roman taxes. And they, they, were a, they were a pretty motley crop. I, I mean, the Pharisees just called them sinners. They, I'm, I'm sure they were pr pretty uncouth and, and um, just lived by the world. But Matthew had left everything to follow Jesus Christ. There were other apostles. There was one, Simon, who was a zealot. A guy, the man, he's a radical, you know. I mean, he was a radical type of guy, but, but he saw there was something in Jesus Christ that he needed to follow. And, and there were other, the, the apostles. There was the women. Mary Magdalene, the first one, that, the tomb that day. A, a man, the Bible teaches us that where Jesus had cast out seven um, spirits. There, there's a lot of other stories that, that, that said that she could have been a prostitute. We don't know those things. It, it's, it's all implication. But what we know, she's a person whose life was an absolute mess until Jesus showed up into her life. And because Jesus Christ had so changed her life and so delivered her and so set her free, she left everything to follow and to minister to the needs of Jesus Christ. She was the first at the tomb that day. There were a people that all their hope, as, as Eddie had already spoken, was placed on Jesus Christ, but he was gone. 
Can you imagine the heartache? Can you imagine the break? Not only did they love Jesus Christ, they truly loved him. No one had ever spoken by like him. No one had ever ministered to their needs. No one had ever been so gentle to them like Jesus. You see, Jesus was that one. He was that, that flower in just a, a very much of a wilderness where people who all their lives had been talked down to, where Jesus would speak them up, he would talk them up. Where, where they lived in a world of death, Jesus Christ spoke life to them. You know, there were even, some, there were even guards one time that were sent to arrest Jesus. When, and when they came back to those that were wanting to arrest him, why didn't you arrest him? He said, no man's ever spoke like this man before. These people love Jesus Christ. And they placed their future on him. But now that, lo- that hope was destroyed. Can you imagine how confused they were? Can you imagine how sorrowful they were? There were some of them that really began to doubt, was Jesus really who he said he was? Folks, their world had been blown up. But I tell you, what a difference a day makes. Because when they went to that tomb and the tomb was empty, and then Jesus began to reveal himself to Cephas. And I think it's interesting that he called Peter out by name because Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times on the night of his crucifixion. Peter was the one that was carried this load of guilt and he called Peter by name. You let Peter know that I'm alive. I've not given up on you, Peter. Peter, you may have denied me, but I've not denied you. You're still my child. And folks... You may have given up on yourself, but Christ has not given up on you. And he says, I want Peter to see me. I want the 12 to see me, those guys that's hung with me, and I want all the disciples to see me. Because nothing, nothing will change you like an eyewitness report. Even old Thomas, who said that, you know, I cannot believe it until I see the nail prints in his hand. Guess what? Jesus showed up and said, here they are, Thomas. And that's when Thomas said, my Lord and my God. What a difference a day made. And you know what's so interesting? That this group of people, even, even the religious folks of the day, that said that these are nothing more than ignorant and untrained people. Folks, they were a bunch of, they, that was a crew from Baker County, Florida. <laughs> we all know how Jacksonville thinks about us. And then we all know, how, even in Jacksonville area, what the North thinks about us. Barb, Barb, you know that. you one of them Yankees. You know that what they used to think about the South. We all talk funny, and, and you know, we all have our, some of our prejudices and all of that stuff. That You know, that bunch down South is nothing more than just a bunch of ignorant and untrained people. And then you get them out in Baker County, and they are shot. Folks, that's the people, that was the disciples that Jesus Christ used to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. They had no authority. They had no power. But Christ used these few people that were confused and sorrowful and in misery that once they saw the grave was empty, once they saw the risen Christ, the resurrection helped them overcome their sorrow and turned it into joy. He helped it overcome their weaknesses and turned it into power. And folks, God used them to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Never before has there been an explosion that went on after the resurrection of Jesus Christ as his apostles, even under persecution. These guys that were so fearful, Peter, this guy of just a great power, 
coward. He was the coward on the night that Jesus Christ was crucified, but then he became a bold witness for Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he became so bold that he gloried when he was persecuted for preaching the gospel. You see, the resurrection radically changed their lives. But it didn't stop there. He said not only did Christ appear to Cephas and the twelve and, and to the five hundred at one time, he, he continued on. And he says he also radically changed James's life. We'll find that we'll find that as he continues on, he says, and after that he was seen of James. Now who is this James? There was many James that was, that was mentioned of the apostles, but, but probably the James that's being spoken of here was James, the brother of Jesus Christ. Now, why is that? James was a skeptic. James was a man that, that, um, that was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost. He was the Son of God. But, 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 but later, after Jesus was born, Joseph was married to Mary, and they, they had children. And James was one of those children. But you know, it's the funniest thing that some people that are the, are the closest to the forest never see the trees. That these are people that grew up, this was a man that grew up in the household of Jesus Christ. But the Bible's very clear that James and his brothers never really believed in him. As a matter of fact, there were times they would mock him and say, you know, you need to go on down to Jerusalem and show yourself, and, 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 and just in a very sarcastic way. Even Jesus' own brothers didn't believe him. They were skeptics. I don't know if they were skeptics because, you know, of maybe sibling rivalry. We don't know that. Or, or could you really imagine living and growing up with a big brother like Jesus? You know, maybe there was some anger involved because I'm the one that's always getting in trouble. But all we know that he was a skeptic. He, he never really believed. Hmm. But what a difference one day makes. He never believed Jesus Christ before the resurrection. But after the resurrection, when he appeared to James, everything changed. Not only to become a believer of Jesus Christ, never to become a, a spiritual child of Jesus Christ, but the Bible says he rose to leadership very rapidly, and he became the leader of the Church of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, he became such a leader that, that people would come to him and, 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 and he would help them and minister their problems. He was the one that gave us the great epistle of James that is so practical in, in its teaching. And you know what's so interesting? That when, when you begin to read the, the book of James or the epistle that, that James wrote to the suffering church, how he described himself, he didn't, it had been very easy for him to say, hey guys, I'm the brother of Jesus Christ. Now, I'd have probably written it like that. You know, I, I, you want the recognition. But he didn't do that. He said, this is James, the servant the slave of Jesus Christ. You see, Christ radically changed James's life when James saw that he had been risen from the dead. He, he changed that skepticism and turned it into belief. He changed that resistance and he brought it in the humility. The disciples' lives were changed because of the resurrection. 
James's life, and, and the Bible says he called him by name, James's life changed radically because of the resurrection. But then Paul, listen to what Paul continues to say as, as, as we read on. And then he says in verse 8, And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time, for I am least of the apostles. I'm not me, and I, I'm not good to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace, which is bestowed upon me, was not, and his grace was not in vain. Paul, see, the disciples, they had doubt. They had confusion. They had sorrow. They, they, they were really messed up in their understanding when Christ was died, but they still loved Christ. James knew Christ in a, in a physical way, but he was just skeptical that he was really the Son of God. But Paul was a step further than that. Paul was an antagonist. He hated Jesus Christ. He hated the church. He hated the message of the gospel. He says it here. He says, I'm the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church. Paul was, he, he burned in anger from the message of Jesus Christ. Before he was saved, his, his name was Saul. And I think one of the most telling points about Saul is, is, is one of the first martyrs, Stephen. Just a young man that, that was preaching the gospel. And they hated the gospel so much, they, they had Stephen stoned. There was a crowd that, that grew up, and just like they crucified Jesus, they martyred Stephen. And the Word of God teaches us that as people were throwing their stones, they were putting, they, they were taking off their coats like we would take off our coats, and they were laying them at the feet of a guy by the name of Saul. See, he was the, probably the one that put it all together. He was the one that was making sure this thing happened, that Stephen was stoned. The Bible says Paul, Saul looked at Stephen, when he looked at him, he looked at the face of an angel. He heard Stephen say basically the same words that Jesus Christ said right before he died, Father, forgive them. Lay not their sins against them. But this was the type of antagonist he was. And the Bible continues to teach us that he, he went from city to city arresting, imprisoning people who called themselves Christians. And many of them he would lead to execution just like he did Stephen. This guy was an angry guy at the gospel because he thought the gospel was opposed to his blessed Judaism. <laughs> but what a difference one day makes. Because this man filled with all of his hatred, all of his antagonism toward Jesus Christ, met the risen Savior on the road to Damascus. And it was Jesus who blinded the apostle Paul and said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Folks, when you persecute the church, you persecute Christ. And that day his life changed. His life changed so radically, he turned from an antagonist to an evangelist. As a matter of fact, besides Jesus Christ, he's the greatest evangelist of the gospel that has ever walked this earth. 
this man that fought so hard against Jesus Christ was a man that fought, fought so hard for Jesus Christ. And God's using the touchy continent of, of Asia and then another continent of Europe. And later, that gospel spread throughout all the world. Wow. What we see in these writings and what's so very important. You know, hey, guys and ga- ladies and gentlemen, you may argue against me and say, hey, how can Christ really arise from that? You, you can argue with me that, and you can argue with me points and, and differences, but you can't argue with me if people's lives have been changed. Radically changed. Brother Jack, I want you to stand up. Brother Jack, the Lord Jesus radically changed your life years ago, didn't he? Amen. He took you from an old drunk and he made you a, he, he made you a child of God, didn't he? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Folks, that, you can argue with me all day long that Christ is not risen from the dead, but Christ, the risen Christ, met Brother Jack in a hospital room many years ago and changed his life. I could point other people out in this room. I, I knew that Brother Jack wouldn't be embarrassed because he stands up every year and says, this is my birthday in Jesus Christ. But I could point other people in this room that their lives were destroyed, their life was all messed up. And, and, you, and you could say that Christ radically changed my life. My life was going nowhere until I met the, met the risen Savior. Folks, that just doesn't happen. I know people he's delivered from alcohol. I know people that he's delivered from drugs. I knew that people that he was, um, uh, he's delivered from just immoral backgrounds, that their lives were beaten apart, that, that marriages that, that were, that, that if I was in it, I'd have probably walked out, but God's restored that marriage. Folks, the risen Christ can radically change every situation. You see, and the good news is this, folks. Just as, as we see within the Scripture, that the resurrection radically changed the lives of the disciples who were, all, who were dealing with doubt and sorrow and pain and suffering. But he changed them and made them bold in Christ. He gave them their hope again. He took James, who was an old skeptic, and a guy that was really hard for him to believe. But when Jesus Christ met James, and he, he, that skepticism turned into belief. And he became, he became a great pastor for the church of God. And then he took Paul, an antagonist, the guy that hated, he hated the very gospel of Jesus Christ. He would try to stamp out anybody that would get in his way. But Christ changed his life and turned him from an antagonist to an evangelist for Jesus Christ. But the good news is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ can change your lives today. Folks, that's where the good news is. He's the same Christ yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You see, Jesus Christ can take any sorrow that you're dealing with, and he can give you hope. He can give you a reason to live. He can can take your, your doubt, and he can turn it into belief. He can take your hopelessness and turn it into, into hope, just like we saw with him. He can take your fears. He can take your worries, and he can turn them into a boldness. He can take your weakness and and turn it into power. Huh. I just wonder what you walked in here with today. Because one thing I learned, and we share this many times, 
Born today, today we dress up in our threads. You see me in a tie today, and yeah, you know, I look, you know, real look all right on the outside, good as I can get. You know, I mean, I, I'm about as good as you. I'm about as good as I can get right now. But you don't know what's going on in my heart. And you walk in here today. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. When I heard that our group was singing day three, and boy, isn't that a great song? Man, I love that song. And I thought about that song, and just about a day or two later, I, I put up and, and saw a testimony by a pastor from Saddleback, California, named Rick Warren, great pastor, wrote The Purpose Driven Life, The Purpose Driven Church, and I heard him give this testimony, and he was using part of that song. Because Pastor Rick Warren, five days after Easter last year, his son Matthew took his own life. He'd, been, he'd fought with depression all of his life. They had taken him, they had, and, and they, they, they'd brought in every prayer warrior you could bring. They'd taken him to, to medical. They, they'd done everything they could for Matthew. If you've never heard the testimony, you need to do that. But five days after Christmas, he gave up the battle and he took his own life. And Rick Warren says that at, since that time, what he, uh, Rick Warren would say is his wife also, and you know, absolutely, that's the worst day of my life. This has been the worst year of my life. I've never walked that. I've never dealt with that. One thing, losing a child. Another thing, losing a child in that manner. And he said, people would ask me, you know, Rick, how, how have you been able to overcome? How can you deal with this? And he says, I always answer them, Easter. Easter. Because he says, immediately after I, I answer them Easter, I tell them, you know, Friday was a day of suffering and pain and agony. Worst day of my life. A, a life that I never want to experience again. He said, then there's the Saturday. The Saturday, that, that's when the doubt sinks in. That's when the confusion really begins to rock your world. That's when your hope is really beginning to shake. You really ask the questions, why God? I'm telling you, the disciples asked some of those questions on Saturday. Why God? What's went on here? But then, there's always Sunday. There's always Easter. Because Easter Sunday is a day of hope, of joy, and of victory. And he says, it's because of Easter, because I know I serve a risen Savior. There's, there's been Fridays in my life, there's been Saturdays in my life, but there's always Sunday. There's always Resurrection Day. A day to take and to turn to joy and hope and victory. But then he begins to explain that every one of us have these days within our lives. Every one of us has those Fridays within our lives. Those Fridays where our world seems to fall apart. Our world, our, 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 those Fridays where every plan that we had seems to be abolished. 
Fridays where the hope that we had hung on to just seems to melt away. We all have Fridays within our life. And folks, if we have Fridays in our life, then we'll also have Saturdays within our lives. Because we'll have the doubts. We'll have the questions. We'll have the confusion. We'll have the misery. You see, there's some of you today that may be going through a Friday right now. You may have had your world just blown apart, just like the disciples did on that Friday morning. There's some of you that are living in the Saturdays. You're trying to figure out right now what happened. You're really doubting, God, do you really love me like you said you love me? You really question, why, Lord, if you love me so much, why did you allow this to happen within my life? And you're just caught in that cycle of misery. But folks, the good news is this. There's always a Sunday because of the resurrection. You see, we get caught up in these questions. What do I do when I find myself in the Fridays? You know, or, 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 or how can I handle myself when, when I'm in the middle of the Saturdays? And how can I get to the Sunday? The question is always the same, or the answer is always the same. It's Easter, that Christ has risen from the dead. He's alive indeed. And I'm telling you, dear friends, today, Christ can radically change your life. He can take your Friday and he can turn it into a Sunday. He can take your Saturday and he can turn it into a Sunday. But you know what? You have to allow him. You have to come to the empty tomb. You have to come recognizing that Christ died not for his own sins. He came for you. He came to take your sorrows to place him on himself. He came to take the wrath that was intended on you and he placed it upon himself. He came to take it all to the grave to give you a fresh start. He, he left it in the grave to give you a new day. But you have to receive it. The Word of God says, But as many as received him, to him gave he the power to become the children of God to everyone that believed. You know, it's one thing to sit and to celebrate the resurrection and even say intellectually, yeah, that I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But let me ask yourself, has Christ radically changed your life? If your life has not experienced a radical change, then I really question whether you ever have really experienced the resurrected Christ within your life. Folks, when he shows up, things change. He changes your disposition. He changes your outlook. He changes your mind. He, he, he changes the things that you love. He changes everything. Because that is, a, the Bible says, for any man who is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. When Christ came out of that grave, he came in a glorified body. Things changed. When he comes into your life, he will change your life. And my prayer this morning, as we close this service, that you would let him radically change your life. You see, I know there's some people here with a group this big. You're carrying some, some of your Fridays today. Are you going to stay there? There's some of you are in Saturdays. You're just, you're just in misery. 
You don't have to stay there. Because of the resurrection, we know that there's a new day coming. And those women that walked to that tomb that day and the disciples who followed, their lives were broken. Their lives were just shook up. But when they saw the risen Savior, they were radically changed. You know what? He can radically change your life today. What I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to call for a response today. I'm not going to be ashamed. You need to do something about it. As soon as those women saw that that tomb was empty, they run and told that he's alive. Their lives were changed. The apostles, once they met Jesus Christ, they, they turned from fearful people or people that were bold and not ashamed of the resurrected Christ. Paul turned from an antagonist. You see, there's some of you today that are like the disciples that you believe, but your belief's been shaken. And maybe today you need a fresh glimpse of the resurrected Savior. There's some of you today that are just like James. James was a skeptic. He knew all the stories. He just never believed. Maybe today your skepticism needs to turn into belief. There's some of you today that you came here, and as a matter of fact, you're mad as a hornet. The only reason here is because your girlfriend said she wasn't going to go out with you anymore if you didn't come to church. Or mama, or mama put the barons. You know, mamas can put barons to you, too. She even, she went, she even, she even went to J.C. Penney's and bought you something to wear because you didn't have anything to wear, and, and, um, and um, you come out of guilt this morning. And you might be mad as fire because you're having to do this because of this Jesus guy. I pray that God will take your antagonism and he'll change your life today. He brought you here for a purpose today. I pray that he'll meet you face to face today. He'll change your life. But you know what you've got to do? You've got to do something about it. And I'm going to ask you to do something about that today. Let's all bow our heads as we begin to close out. I just ask you today, where are you in your life? You may be going through a Friday. You may be going through a Saturday. Why don't you just be honest with God? He already knows what you're going with. He knows your struggles right now. Why don't you just call out to him where you are? Or you may could identify yourself with the disciples, where the disciples are, that, that you had placed everything on Jesus Christ. But, but man, you're, you've had something happen in your life that's just messed your life up. And you be honest with God and say, God, I'm doubting. God, I'm hurting. I don't understand why you'd allow this to go into my life. Take it to Jesus right now. You may be like James, you're a skeptic. Take it to Jesus right now. You may be like Paul, that you're an antagonist. Take it to Jesus right now. You may need to come to the altar. Some people have already come to the altar today. I invite you to come if you're a believer. But if you're today, you've never met the, met the risen Savior. But you need change. I ask you to call upon Jesus today. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and I'll give you rest for my souls, your souls. You may need to call upon Jesus today. You may need to come to him right now, right where you are, and just speak a prayer. And, and it's not the words, it's, it's, it's the condition of your heart. And you may say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm so troubled in heart, and and, 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 and Jesus, I have had such a hard time believing, but today I want to place my trust in you. Today I want to turn away from what I think, and I want to turn to you what you think. And Jesus, today 
I ask you to save me from my sins. I believe that you died for my sins. You were buried and you rose again on the third day. And Jesus, today, I commit you as my Lord and Savior. And I want to thank you, Jesus, for changing me. You may be, again, going through something that you've really questioned God today. And you just may need to grab hold of him. Be honest with him. Say, God, I, I don't know. I don't like what you're going through. But Lord, I, uh, today, increase my faith so that the resurrection can change my hurt into hope. Just talk to him right now where you are. Talk to him where you are. And what I want to ask you to do now is to stand as we go into a point that we call invitation. And I want to ask you to respond. As you'd stand in, in just a moment, Brother Eddie and Ms. Vaughn is going to lead us in a time of prayer. Maybe there's a decision you need to, you need to make today. Maybe today you, you, you've talked to Christ and, and you need to make that decision public. And you need to talk. Well, I want to ask you to not be ashamed. Christ was not ashamed of you. Why don't you come down that aisle and say, Pastor, I need to talk to someone about a decision I just made. I need to talk to someone about my salvation. I need someone to pray with me that, that I'm really going through a tough time and I just need someone to pray with me. Brother Eddie will meet you right here. Nathaniel will meet you right here. I'm right here, our deacons. If you need someone to pray with you, lady, if you need a, a lady to pray with you, you will have someone. But I pray that today that you'd let Christ do what he wants to do. Folks, he can radically change your life. That's, that's what he came for. If Christ is risen from the dead, he can change any issue in your do you need to come as we stand, as we sing? I invite you to come. Be the first. Don't wait on someone else. Be an encourager. Why don't you come? Just as you are. Come, Jesus.